Hey Well fans, Matt Reiner, That's Rich has moved to its own channel. Be sure to go check out That's Rich and subscribe today to keep up to date with all the new That's Rich podcasts. November 2nd was the day I saw the first set of Christmas decorations being hung. On the drive-in this morning, I saw all the Christmas tree lots being set up. It's the beginning of November, people. Let's live in the moment, enjoy Thanksgiving, or maybe today. Or what about Veterans Day, before we start focusing on the future? And we'll wonder why time moves so fast our culture doesn't let us enjoy the moment but we should because it's awesome and sometimes you learn a thing or two while doing so so let's sit here today and enjoy the moment because the moment that is what's so rich you're listening to that's rich welcome to another episode of that's rich where we help you get rich rich in knowledge rich in happiness rich in laughs and just maybe just maybe a nugget or two actually makes you Money Rich, I'm Matt Reiner, CEO and co-founder of Wella. Evan Shoda is out today, thankfully. Um, and But sitting in is a better co-host, Morgan Meyer, associate product manager over at Wella. I got that one you right. You nailed it. Really nailed well it that today. time. I practiced, I practiced. <laughs> uh, welcome to the co-hosting seat. Are you excited? Good to be here. Nervous. Yeah, nervous. nervous. I can hear myself today, which I normally can't. So. Yeah, does that make you more nervous? Yeah, it's throwing me off. It's all sure. right, it's all right. I mean... Uh, that's why actually I, I listen, I like, as I prepare for the podcast, I only listen to bits and pieces of it because I don't want to hear myself the yeah, whole time. Yeah. It's like kind of when you call and leave a message and then you hear yourself on the message, you're like, damn, that's what oh, I sound like? Yeah, oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I, I've been living with that my whole life. So it's been a tough, <laughs> tough road. Um, but I, I want to start at a few things. Like we have a few things to tackle before we get into the rundown. Um, I don't know even how to bring this up. I mean, Ohio State. I know. I knew that's where we were going to start. And Ohio that's fair. State. That's fair. The Buckeyes. Yeah, yeah. They weren't the Buckeyes this weekend. I don't. I don't know who they were. I have to yeah. say though, Iowa looked good. I was always a bit. Mm-hmm. It's a tough game for y'all, especially yep. coming off a high. And uh, I, the only one, the only play I really saw of that game was. I think like with four minutes left in the fourth quarter, that interception by the Iowa. Yeah, D-back, that was incredible. Yeah, that was that amazing. Was I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's tough, tough living right now in Columbus, Ohio. It is, it is, and you're absolutely right. Every Buckeye fan knows that Iowa always gives us a tough game. Yeah, defensively, they're always good. They're always better than they are ranked. So, the real Buckeyes knew it would be a trap game this weekend, coming mm-hmm. off the Penn State game. Yeah, yeah. So. Unfortunately, that kind of came to fruition. You know, I, the, the, this is the this is the thing that makes college football so frustrating, right? So you've you've waited nine months for this thing to start, right? January, yes. you you wait the whole nine year. months, it starts, and then now in November, you're like, oh gosh, what do we have to live for? Like, right? I mean, not just like, next next September. Right, you have to yeah. now wait another ten mm-hmm. months, and it's so difficult. Yeah. That's the problem. Georgia fans usually are feeling this way middle of October. So, <laughs> so I true. get your pain. You at yeah. least made it to like the first week of November. That's true. Georgia fans never really make it past this way, and I'm really actually upset that Evan's not here because uh, we're playing one of his yes. 25 favorite teams this week, and it's going to be a really big game against yeah, Auburn. That's a huge game. Um, huge a, weekend in college football. Huge weekend. Up. We got a huge Another weekend. One. A lot of things going on. Yeah. And Georgia is is part of the conversation, which is good. Yeah. And, uh, but, I mean, Evan Evan loves Auburn this year because they're playing good football. But um, if, you know, last year, at the beginning of the year, he was a big Tennessee fan because he went to the game. <laughs> Um, you know, he's just he's just all over the place. So he is he, loving, and he would love Ohio State, too, if they were still winning. But now it's an Auburn fan, so he wanted me to go with him, but I actually declined the invite. Ooh. It's too big. It's too much. 
too big of a game. I don't want to be in opponents' territory. For oh this one. No, 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 no! I would watch that game in confinement. Yeah, I want to be yeah, by myself. Be. By myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, we all know how you watch the games. Like you, you got to be like you know <laughs> yeah. in a ball Fetal watching position the game. on the floor. Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, and you must have stayed that way for I quite did. some time after yeah. that game. All yeah. of Saturday night. Well, I'm sorry about that. Uh, apologies. Thank you. Um, Thank but you. But it's good to have someone else off of our back as we continue True. to move forward. And and Georgia clinched for the SEC yeah. East. Yeah. Which is great. I already looked at tickets. Uh, I need Benjamin to help me big time uh, to be able to buy <laughs> some tickets. That yeah, seven hundred dollars for upper end zone. Ouch. Upper end zone. Uh, if you want anything closer to the field, it's going to be about fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. Hasem's out there Ouch. watching. He's a he's a big. He likes to do all the ticket brokering. Yeah. He really missed the you boat on this one. should see if he should find you some deals. Yeah, I mean, he may know some people. He may know some people. I yeah. need to see if he can you know, pull, pull, pull one in for me or something. Um, so let's get into this rundown. So we're going to have to do this without Evan, but that's okay. Um, we'll, I think we'll make it through. Um, he doesn't add much flavor anyways usually, so this will be easy. This will be real easy. Uh, and, and, and knowing him coming off of a red eye, I thought I was going to have to carry him through the flu game again. Oh, and, uh, flu game af- take two. After how he did so poorly last time, I was like, Thank goodness he didn't come in for this one because it would have been a tough one. We would have had to really pull the weight. Um, let's see what we got. You want to start with the rundown? Yeah. You got, you got the list over I'll there? start us off. Uh, first of all, Papa John's CEO criticized NFL players last week for protesting during the national anthem, saying that this was hurting his sales. Now we're seeing the alt-right has claimed Papa John's as their official pizza. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a tough one, right? It's not a good I, The Papa John's whole article thing was a... It was just interesting that he came out, and everybody gave him such crap about yeah. big time. Mm-hmm. And there was another article that we had. Uh, I don't know why they had this little bit in the article, but they talked about how he donated $1,000 to Donald Trump's campaign. I'm like, why is that even relevant? $1,000 from the founder <laughs> of Papa John's. It's like, here's like, here's this is out of my wallet. Right, yeah. here's out of my wallet. for it. But I thought that, that was funny. But So they've been giving him a lot of crap. Papa John's a lot of crap. And there's another article that they were talking about how this will usually blow over, which I thought was really interesting, yeah. which it will, right? We remember, yeah. I remember uh, Chick-fil-A a couple of years oh, ago. Yeah. They yeah. got they got you know big time in the pub, but they blew over. And now they're actually putting a lot of Chick-fil-A's in these you know left type of areas like sure. the, the, the West Coast. Um, so it was really interesting to see the, the backlash. But I think that there's a bigger thing going on here. I think that what... Papa John's was doing was they knew exactly what they were getting themselves into by saying this, and I think they wanted to really have the upper hand in negotiations with the NFL, because they wanted to come out and say, hey, this is what's happening, it's hurting us, we're a huge sponsor to you, NFL, now we want to be able to have a reason to get out if things go sour, and we want to be able to have a better negotiating you know, hand at the table when we go to renegotiate this deal because you're not holding up your end of the bargain in helping us with our sponsorship. And I think that this was all a well um, plotted out play by Papa John's. And they're like, you know what, we're going to get backlash in the, in the media immediately. But we know that, that they probably had someone helping them. And if they didn't, then they got really lucky because I think it's going to actually work because a lot of the NFL owners, they were talking about it like, hey, Papa John's going to leave, all of our sponsors are going to leave if we yeah. don't do something about it. And now they're putting themselves, positioning themselves in to be the people at the table, yeah. which is brilliant. Yeah, you're right about that. Which is brilliant. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. That's a really good point. Um, so, I mean, do you still, do? You, are you a Papa John's or a Domino's? I've actually never had Papa John's. Yeah, wow, wow. Just threw everybody off. I don't know. Threw everybody no. off. What? But, but you, you know, what's that? There's a pizza place up in Columbus that I, um, 
Donato's. I, no, Donato's was good. They used to try pizza. those. Uh, they try, <laughs> used to try that down here, and I love that pizza. It was like it was something like Donato's. It was like the square slices, yeah. the thin, thin crust. My mom, because my mom grew up in Columbus, but mm-hmm. so she used to have someone that would come down from Columbus and bring the pizza in like heater bags, and it was like <laughs> amazing pizza. Um, but yeah, I'm not a I'm not really a Papa John's person, anyways. Hillary's no. a really big Papa John's person, but I was always Domino's. I mean, that's why I always ordered late night yeah, was Domino's. Same. Same. It's so much better. Um, so, and I haven't heard the Domino CEO say anything like this. So, I'm still able to support <laughs> them, uh, and I, I think, but I, but I do think that the Papa John CEO probably, I mean, he's getting some backlash, but I think there's a bigger play uh, going on with it. So, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out going forward. Yeah, I would agree. Most of those things are planned, whether it works out or not. Because the stock was down 10% right after he said it. Like, not the best thing to help with your shareholders. Uh, hopefully, he no. has a longer-term plan uh, plotted out. I would him. hope so. All right, what else we got? All right. Last week, a rogue Twitter employee celebrated their last day on the job by deactivating President Donald Trump's Twitter account. A Twitter. I mean, again, <laughs> we have to talk about Twitter. I mean, what... What's your what's your what's your initial thoughts when you read this article? What was your just like initial not deep thoughts of this? Was there anything bad about what happened with this? I mean, I personally thought it was it was comical. Yes. You know, like political views aside, I thought it was it was comical. But it is interesting that you're seeing politics coming into social media, mm-hmm. and the fact that that this can happen. Yeah. That, you know, he's the president of the United States, and he gets shut down his Twitter, and all of a sudden he doesn't have. And you know, and I I agree with that. It was definitely comical. But going back on like my rant last week on Twitter is I think that this was actually, you know, kudos to this guy that deleted the account because it could have saved the president from saying something stupid within that 10 to 12 minutes. So, you know, what? I don't know what he was thinking in those 10 and 12 minutes, but we we may have just saved him. It was a really peaceful 11 minutes in this country. Yeah, from media backlash. So I think that, you know, kudos to that person. But I think that... uh, so I think that's funny, and I think that it's uh, it is comical, and it's another notch on why Twitter is irrelevant to me. It's like I don't really care Twitter. I don't really care. Payson's gonna come back uh, at about you, hard. you. I know, and I understand. So they all, everybody backlash. Justin gave me big backlash after after I said this last time, and I understand the reason. It's good for news. It's good for all that stuff, but really, it's it's just it's just irrelevant it, relative. It's number three four, five, maybe six on the top list of social medias that you know I go through on that side. Six? Um, I don't have six sites that I go through, so <laughs> I, I'm just throwing it down deep, as deep as okay. I can. It's right? at the bottom of your list. But I okay. think that there's a bigger issue, again, here with this Twitter issue, is that as technology continues to advance, um, there's going to be more and more people that are going to have access to this type of information and the ability to do this, whether it's people internally at a company or it's... Um, third-party, you know, outsourced uh, technology devs um, or product people or whatever it may be. And as we start moving technology into more than just social media, it becomes scary, right? This yeah. would this is I'm teeing something up for Evan here big time, especially when it comes to like robots. Oh right? yeah. Robots, if you have like a rogue person that then turns this robot on everybody, like that's tough, right? Yeah. That's gonna be tough. Or autonomous yeah. cars, if you have someone that's like, oh, you know, I don't really like this guy, I'm gonna throw the autonomous car into going over a ditch like that's scary Scary that's scary stuff yeah no i think that's the bigger issue i think it's a bigger issue and i think it's something we're going to see play out over the next couple of years as politics and and things like that continue to move into technology yeah and i think that you know the there's one ceo i read a headline and the ceo said uh, robots aren't going to take everybody's jobs because they're still going to need people to service the robots, right? Sure. So you're still going to need to have the humans service the robots. Basically, they will own us and we will be servicing them and, and doing whatever they need to do. Um, but with that, that's the scary part is because people will be servicing them and can 
if they start understanding them them that well, they're going to start controlling it. If we don't put place things in measure and technology continues to grow exponentially, right? It continues to be exponential in growth. Every new technology is coming faster and faster and faster. And if we don't put processes in place, then it's going to become scarier and scarier and scarier. And I think that's why a lot of technologists and, and, and entrepreneurs in technology say what's going on is scary is because we continue to grow the technology, but we don't continue to grow kind of the security and the safety and everything of yeah. that nature. I think that that's where the big issue is. I totally agree. I don't know if you're familiar with Kumail Nanjiani. Uh-uh. He's from Ooh, Silicon say Valley. That, say that. Say that I, name five times fast. I don't think I can say fast. it again. Yeah, that was really um, well He's an actor in Silicon Valley, the HBO show. And he actually came out this weekend on Twitter and was talking through how scary it is. As an actor on Silicon Valley, they're often traveling throughout the valley, looking at different tech companies, speaking with their teams. And he said it's really fascinating that people aren't concerned with the ethical issues in technology. Mm, yeah. Th- because it's growing so rapidly, they can't really control it. That's so That's so true. And I mean, yeah. you have this pendulum in anything in life, right? Or in any, in any sector, right? You see it in politics a lot where you have the pendulum go from like, all very kind of no rules to really regulate, like deregulated to very regulated to trying to get back in the middle, but it always, and that's what causes cycles. And I think that's what you're having in technology. It's like, whoosh, we're gonna go all over to innovation. We're Mm -hmm. not gonna worry about processes. And then it's gonna come back to the other way. You don't want it to be regulated necessarily by the government, but there's gonna be, have to be something. Yeah, similar to finance and a lot of the- Finance, all the time it happens. It always happens. All right, let's move into the first recurring segment. The more you know, Um, where we're trying to give you some information, uh, and I guess, were you able to prepare for any of the recurring segments, just so I know? You know, I wasn't, but Marissa gave me, just, she came in really clutch. Really? Yeah, So you have did. one for I each do. of them? I do. Oh my God. Thanks and to I, Marissa, and, not thanks to myself. <laughs> hey, it's all about surrounding yourself with good people, right? <laughs> the smartest thing to do is surround yourself with good people. Um, and I and I actually have a new segment that we're going to do at the end that came from Evan, and I'm sad that he's not here to help with it, but... Uh, we're going to have to talk this one through at the end. All right, so the more you know, do you want to go first then? I'm oh, very yeah. excited yeah. to hear what you I'll have. I'll go first. Let's sure. see what you got. So did you know that pen tops have holes in them so that people can't choke on them when they're chewing on them? Wait, what? So, so if you're really? chewing on a pen cap and you accidentally swallow it, there's a hole in the pen cap so that you can continually breathe? Is that the reason they, is that the true reason they put holes yeah. in pen caps? Oh. Facts. Facts. Facts only. Wow. No wonder I've been okay swallowing all those pen caps. I was wondering. <laughs> Apparently uh, it was a big issue. That is, that that's really interesting. I Kudos on that one. Very Marissa. well played. Take credit. All right. Good job, Marissa. <laughs> Good job. Uh, all right. That's really interesting. Um, the more you know, I'm going to stay on the sports side of things for a second. Uh, the NFL ratings are down 7.5% this year. And that's after last year they were down 8%. I'm telling you, people, uh, this is a plateau going on right now in the NFL. Everybody yeah. said it was the best thing going in the world. The sport was killing it no matter what happened. Uh, and now it's starting to decline. And I'm, I, I've been saying this for a while, that soccer was going to be huge and bigger than football. At some point, everybody argued, there's no way, there's no way. I'm just telling you that when things get so big, it's hard for them to continue to get better and better and better. And you're starting to see a decline going on in NFL football and it's two years in a row. That's called a that's called a trend. Yeah. It's a trend. Uh, so that's the more you know. Seven and a half yeah. down. I completely agree. And I fought the soccer trend as a lifelong diehard football fan, but you just you can't fight the numbers anymore. I'm telling you, Columbus crew also are in the yeah. in the finals in the finals, which Save is which makes me feel better that they beat the United yeah. as long as they continue <laughs> to go through, right? Who are uh, they playing in the finals? Uh, they are playing Toronto, Ooh, the number one seed in the table. Yeah. That's what they call. It. They don't call them standings; they call them tables. Hmm. 
I'm such a soccer. Very European. Yeah, I'm very soccer-esque. Um, all right, let's go back to the rundown. What do we got? All right, Finnish airline Finnair has begun weighing its passengers to more accurately determine the weight being carried. <laughs> this... I mean, this is somewhat funny to me, but also makes a lot of sense to me. I've actually always had this question. Like, how, there's such a huge weight gap, especially here in the States, I guess, more so than maybe in Finland. But how do you possibly know? I feel like the margin for error can't be that big. Right. But yet the average weight of the passenger has to be so large. Right. Well, so this is so the, the story is, is Finnair is now starting to weigh their customer, their their uh, passengers, but it's a it's voluntary, right? You don't yeah. have to do it. And the reason behind it is to allow for them to have better numbers in terms of, because the weight on the plane with all of your carry-on luggage and actual luggage determines how much fuel, how far, how fast, and it's like some real numbers right. that impact your flight. And so this makes a ton of sense because they're still going off of numbers from 2009. And now, you know, that was during the Great Recession when people were probably were eating a lot less because they didn't have as much in their wallet. So now they feel the True. wealth effect, right? You're seeing the economy boom, so they're eating a little bit more could be throwing off the weight numbers and you need to know that like I'm all for this it's helping with safety when I'm flying a plane we talked about flying planes last time <laughs> I'm all for it to get better numbers and better data to do better that's flying. what I'm saying yeah I'm all for it like I think it's great but I think it also brings into an issue um, that we're going to see is that I mean think about the people that are going to volunteer for this it's only going to be probably fit the semi-fit people that's pretty true. Right? Yeah, the number will probably be skewed. I just don't see. I just don't see the person that feels not good about themselves. Yeah. Like whether they should or they shouldn't, they, them going up and be like, "Oh, weigh me!" Like, so it's going to skew these numbers. But this shows like the issue with all like different types of surveys and voluntary issues. So true. Is only the people that want to participate are probably the people that you're not trying to figure sure. out. And yeah. it's just like comments on the app store and everything. The only people that make right. comments are like the ones like. Ooh, I want to make the, I want to have the bad comment. I had the bad experience, or whatever it may be. Sure. Um, so it it actually, as much as I hope it does well for the numbers, it may throw them off a little bit. That's so true. Right. Yeah, it would probably be a better data set if it were random random selection. Right. But think about like I mean, it would be uh, I mean, think about people like getting interfering with that. Like if you had someone that walked onto the plane, it was like, we've hit the limit. Like. <laughs> You gotta take. You gotta. You got. You got to either do something here. Like you can't bring that bag on, or you know, just take the next yeah. flight. Like that's gonna lead to a small awkward conversation. That's so true. Uh, or or what happens if like the number was like above? You know, right when you walk in, and so like you see the line, it's like right there. It's like <laughs> next up, number one, and this weight is one fifty four and three quarters. That would be awful. That would be ta- that'd that would be bad. Be but talk but, about accountability. They, may- they do weigh you with your carry on though, so I feel like it's it's not. <laughs> Like Weight Watchers, where they're just weighing you and everyone can see your weight. Right. I guess it's like, my carry-on's really heavy. It's not me. It's the carry-on. It's definitely it's the 50-pound weight limit. <laughs> That's so true. All right. Good for Finnair. It would be interesting to see what they come out of it, but uh, I don't know if that would happen in the U.S. I think there'd be too much of an uproar for that. I completely agree. I think we got a whole different set of uh, numbers here in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got, we got some other issues that we need to work on. So uh, let's move on. What do we got on the rundown? All right. Google spent two years studying 180 teams to determine what traits they all shared. They found five traits that were commonly shared among the most successful teams. Do you want to read? Let's just, let, in honor of Evan, let's just read through A the list. five. Let's just read okay. through the five. He would love this. All righty. Do you want me to read them? Yeah, you got them. Do you have them? 
you should you should I'll got them. I'll, I'll take them. I'll take them. So the five are dependability, structure and clarity, meaning, impact, and psychological safety. And I think if you look through all of these, they're all very, you know, I think that they do create the foundation. And we talked about this on another article last week about relationships and the foundation. I think that this does bring a foundation to any relationship or team uh, because each of them are really um, uh, valuable, right? Dependability, right? You need to have people that are all, that you're dependent, that are dependable, that get things done. And I think that, you know, just like to relay it back to, well, I think we're starting to see that as well within our team because you create this foundation, you start to see really rampant success and start to see exponential success. And dependability is really needed because you don't need to be micromanaging people, right? The moment you're still micromanaging people, it's hard to kind of allow people to grow and you're not really creating a great team because nobody feels comfortable depending on the other person. So dependability is big, structure and clarity, having a vision, having understanding of what's going on and 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 goal setting was a lot here. absolutely and i think that's that, helped us tremendously from a product side 100 percent, right being like, able to outline very specific goals that are actually attainable yeah smart goals if you will and and not vague right smart goals there yeah. you go look at that throwing in the smart goals but it is it is like the vague goals everybody's like oh i just want to be a big company like what does that mean the smart the really smart specific goals i mean if you think about what we set early on this year has really helped us to get to, to focus on it. Whether you're focusing on it every day, you're just inherently thinking about it. Right. And you're trying to position everything that you do to, to, to reach or attain uh, that goal. And I think that that's huge. And having that structure of, you know, even if you don't like the everyday, some things, sometimes like every week meetings or whatever it is, sure. that structure creates this like sense of like, okay, I feel good, yeah. right? It's not like sporadic and, and, and scatterbrained. Um, meaning it's like the vision and everybody buying into it and everybody feeling that they have a worth in what they are doing. And then impact is also the same thing, that they're making an impact on others. I thought that the psychological safety was interesting. I did as well. Um, The rest of them, I guess I could have expected, you know? Yeah. They make a lot of sense. But psychological safety was something I didn't expect to see. But reading through it, really made sense yeah well i mean i've i mean i think we've all been in this position before yeah. where you're sitting in a group and you listen to everybody else and everybody else sounds so much smarter than you and it's like yeah i mean i'm not gonna say anything i'm just gonna sit right. here be quiet i'm just gonna soak in everything and then i'm gonna go back and deal, uh, yeah I'm, and i'm like yeah <laughs> good job like that's like when you get in those awkward moments and you start laughing and you're like was i supposed to laugh is that like sad or happy and but you just you let them go and you kind of take it back and deal with it yourself like in your own situation because you don't feel adequate to them and I think that when you have that in a, in a business it's really tough because the best ideas you don't want to get in like this tunnel vision where there's no pushback and no right. building on ideas and everybody has different perspectives and different views and that helps you make your vision and your views so much grander uh, and if you don't have people talking up and you don't promote that right then it's just going to be the it's going to be one person leading the charge and if they're wrong then and then there's no ownership right when we're talking about behavioral economics and everything of that nature sure. you're not helping with creating the ownership of the vision and the idea moving forward, which makes it tougher to have buy-in. Absolutely. I think approachable leadership also goes into this as well. And I think that's so important when you talk about pushback, being able to voice your opinions and and not feel uncomfortable saying things. Yeah. And I think and everybody always inherently feels that, that inability to push back on a leader because they're like, oh, right. they're my boss or they're whatever. Um, but when you when you have those people that are allow it and they're open to it, it, it does create a better environment for Definitely. sure. I agree. Um, all right, so that's a good one. I like that article. Yeah, that was, was a great good. article. We brought that one from the past. That was like one of the first ones, in one of the first sets, and we brought it back. Um, let's move into asking for a friend. 
my favorite segment. I love this segment. Um, so we're asking for a friend. So you want to start, what, what question do you have that a friend has that you wanted to ask for them? This is a great one. Okay. This is a great one. It's really going to get you, I think. When you buy slacks or pants, the pockets of the pants are sewn together. Have you ever noticed that? Hmm. Why yes. is that? Um... They don't want you. They want you to buy another thing, which is a um, uh, what a fanny pack. They want you so that you can't put anything in your pockets. But why is that? Do you know? No. That well, I think it's because I actually my analysis would be is that it went through the assembly line too quick, and it missed a step. No. Like they, no, this is common. All pants. They're supposed every to have pair it. of dress pants I've ever owned. Is it a is it a female only thing? Do men? Yeah, it doesn't happen it? to men that much. But I have had like my back pockets, my back yeah, pockets exactly. a lot. It does that a lot. Exactly. Um, Maybe it's because they don't want you to put anything in them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, all right. That's a good one. All right. I'm going to ask for a friend, and this is more on the social media side. It shows my lack of knowledge. Uh, maybe someone in this room can help me. Um, and it comes from a friend that I saw that had this question as well. Um, what are the types of things that are supposed to be posted on Facebook versus Instagram? And are you supposed to post the same picture to both social networks? Or are you supposed to put like one type of picture to one network and another type of picture or comment to another network? How do you determine that? Is there a rule book for that? I There probably is a rule book. What's your... I may not be the best person to ask. I, don't, I feel kind of annoyed when people post the same picture to both. I mean, you can link your accounts together, which I, I understand, obviously, for simplicity, but it's like you see the same picture twice. Right. I agree. Does anybody in this room know that answer to that question? What are you supposed to post on each? Is there is there a rule of thumb? I feel like we have much cooler people. Yeah, I guess they. I guess they just want to. I mean, have we not created? Have we not created a uh, a psychologically safe room for everybody here? Have we not created one here? Uh, I would say I think the viewing audience, at least in my perspective, is a little different. Yeah. Like Facebook's mostly family, old friends, that kind of thing. Instagram is maybe a little younger. Yeah. A little, a little different. So maybe the content's a little different. When I what I told this friend for me is I said that I usually get the best bang for my buck on Facebook. So when I want to make myself feel good and get like a boost up for me mm. me mentally and egotistically I usually post it to Facebook now if I want to just go run a test I, I post it to Instagram but I never get my I mean we I always just tell Hillary to post it for me because she always gets the most likes <laughs> I mean she gets she kills it with the likes on Instagram. same in my but she never posts yeah. anything to Facebook so yeah um, any I mean it seems I, to be one or the other most people yeah I agree I, and I don't know and like what do you put into a story versus what do you put onto the feed it's getting very complex now yeah especially because the story is becoming so popular but I always see the same snapchat stories I do on Instagram so. right I, I haven't been on snapchat in a while I think it's for like college kids. Yeah. Yeah. I it's getting so. a little young for me. Yeah, as well. it's a little young. Um, so young uh, <laughs> because we're so old these days. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's wrap this one up. So even Tiger Woods can't believe how far he's hitting the ball, suggesting that the progression of the golf ball is changing the game. Yeah. So let's just first take a step back. So we had to bring this article in. We had to have something like around Tiger Woods just to, to throw it in here. But the bigger story is that Tiger's back. Like this I know. is. I couldn't sleep for a few days when I read this. Like, I've been watching his swing on his Instagram. So he posts his swings on Instagram. Yep, as every and, golfer does. Yep, and, I, and I've been watching it. It looks like his swing is a lot better. He's talking about his posture. It's not putting as much pressure on his back. I'm telling you, I think I, I'm always going to be the believer that Tiger Woods is going to win the, the most majors ever. He's going to I break will never Jack. stop believing that. He's going to break Jack's record. I know it. There's no question in my mind. Like, why? And everybody's like, oh, he's not going to win. And he still has to get over that mental burden of, like, hurting himself. 
But him being back not only makes golf. I mean, golf's been exciting. I watched the most golf I've ever watched this year without even without Tiger. But having Tiger makes me like on a Sunday. I'm telling Hillary like. You can go do what you want with the girls. Like, I'm staying here and watching golf because yeah. Tiger's in. Whether he's in last place or first place. I totally agree. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that he was the best golfer that we've ever seen. And he was the best golfer in his 20s. Uh, and he, he had a rough 30s. He had good early 30s. But why can't he, because he's the best golfer we've ever seen, why can't he be the best 40-year-old golfer we've ever seen? And there's been some good ones. Like, Phil oh, was good. Sure. Jack Phil's was good. Phil's prime was really when he was in his 40s. Right. So why can't Tiger win, yeah. like, four or five majors in his 40s? Hopeful. I'm still hopeful with you. Even when he says he's retired and he's never playing again, I still, he's still think he's going to come back. back. I still For think sure. he's going to come back. He For is, sure. uh, he's, I mean, he's amazing. I, I always, I, I just, I, he, I love him for everything he does on the course, not necessarily off the course. Um, but his worry about the golf ball, this goes back to the exponential of technology. It continues to get faster and every advancement is going to be quicker and quicker than the last advancement in technology. Sure. And we've had such an advancement with, you know, just golf clubs in general you think about like the old wood clubs to now and now where there's a driver out there that has this technology that actually literally i've hit it before you hit the ball 10 yards farther just because of this driver and so you know the the problem doesn't become that because he was talking about how like next thing you know we're gonna have to make golf courses that are eight thousand yards and everything right. of that nature and the difficulty and the amount of land that you need to do that you need a lot of land anyways for a golf course but then that makes all of the old golf courses obsolete but right. the, the challenge isn't the 8,000. It's the challenge is that if, if we think that technology is exponential, the challenge is the 10,000-yard course right. because after you make the 8,000, you're going to have to do another 9,000 and 10,000. And then it becomes so difficult to build a golf course. And then all these other golf courses are obsolete because they've run out of land. Right. Like, that's the big challenge I think yeah. he's mentioning. And it's, it's progressing so quickly in golf. Yeah. I mean, so quickly. These guys hit the ball so far. It's absurd. So far. I was playing with a guy that's like a plus handicap, so he's, he could be a pro. Uh, he played he played golf at the University of Georgia. Like, I was hitting my driver and I would hit the living heck out of it, and I was like, "Oh, that was a great hit, great swing." That's why I usually say after I hit, swing a golf club, "Great hit." Uh, <laughs> but I, I hit the I hit the heck out of it, and then he comes up with like a two iron and airmails my driver for, and then like beats me by forty yards I on know. the drive. It's unbelievable how far these people hit the ball, and uh, and something has to change. But like, you don't want to regulate that, but it gets to the pendulum, right? Like you're gonna overregulate Definitely. it, yeah. Uh, but there's a there's a tough balance, or you just get okay with people shooting like 45 under, like that's what yeah, we would get to. It really is a challenge. I never I never thought about the op, you know the old golf courses becoming obsolete, so right? The classics, but the, like Andrews and all yeah, the ones around. But like yeah. you think about what happened with a gut. Like it's funny that Tiger's saying this because he didn't mean to do it and he didn't say it, uh, but because of how far he hit the ball when he was younger. Augusta National had to lengthen their course really? because of him, right? So it's longer now than it's ever been. And they had to tiger, uh, what did they call it? Tiger fight or tiger whatever it, in order to allow it to be harder for him because if not, wow. it was going to be so easy for him relative to everybody else. Yeah, so, talk about changing the game for sure. I'm just excited. November 30th, people, the Hero National, I bet you that he's going to finish in the top 20. I'm just throwing that out there. Anybody that wants to take my bet, I'll take it. I bet you he finishes in the top I'm 20. I'm so excited that Tiger's returning. Tiger's back. Tiger's back. All right, what's the last one we got? All right, following up with sports, how Sports Illustrated predicted the Astros would be the 2017 world champs. Did you see? Did you read any of that article? Yeah, I, I did. Um, it, it was really interesting, but it was the article was actually built on a lot of like good theory, and in, in, in terms of like the the way that they're analyzing players and bringing them oh, up yeah. and building the team. Yeah. 
it was like it was Moneyball to a it greater was. extent. It was, and I love that movie. I love the theory that's, that's behind it. But you almost never see things like that work out in sports. That's true. I mean, it is amazing that they uh, that it was predicted and everything of that nature. And like, kudos to them because it was built right. on on rational thoughts mm-hmm. and rational theories. And and it's awesome to see that happen. Like, good for this writer and the publicity that they got. Um, but it, the, to me, the problem with this is that I hate. I, I kind of hate this too. As much as it's like awesome, I hate it because this happens in the financial world all the time. And the only time that people come out and like boost themselves is when they get it right. Like you don't yeah. see many people on CNBC being like, yeah. you know what? I made a call like three years ago, and if you would have done it, you'd have lost like millions of dollars. So true. Like millions of dollars. They're always out there. Yeah. I remember this one lady that was always on, I forget her name now, she created her own firm because she made like a right call during the financial crisis on municipal bonds, which are just, you know, government agency type bonds. And like she killed it and she's so right. And so everybody thought she was a genius because she made this one right call. And I'm like, have you looked at her other 199 calls that were wrong? And then she created a firm and then that firm's now out of business. And now I don't even know what she's doing. But all those people get up there and they gloat and they, what they are, they're mainly just persistent as opposed to being right. They just keep on saying it over and over and over again. Until it happens to be right. And it's ultimately right. This one, at least they put it in stone. It's like, if it doesn't happen in 2017, we're wrong. Right? Yeah. But, um, but I think it brings up that bigger kind of overarching issue. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that they were not only able to predict that they would become World Series champs, but when. Right. You know, they had everything mapped out. Right, they could have so. taken the easy way out and said, the exactly. Astros are going to be World Series exactly. champs. Exactly, and that, that typically is what you see happen. That's so true. That is really true. I thought it was really interesting, um, and I thought it was great. That was yeah. good. I love that. I, I love that. Good for them. Good, good for that writer. Yep. Um, all right. Let's do one more recurring segment, and then we'll wrap this thing up. So Evan texted me last week and was like, hey, uh, I know you're so into Amazon coming here. Why don't we do a recurring segment where you can write a letter to Jeff Bezos every week? And so it's like, dear Jeff uh, is the segment. And we can do it kind of like maybe get some of that music like Jimmy Fallon when he does the thank you notes on every Friday um, where he writes that out. But I I thought we'd do a dear Jeff, tell him why he should come to Atlanta. And there's a lot of reasons that everybody already knows. But what I'm going to try to do until uh, Jeff Bezos picks us here in Atlanta, uh, I'm going to read some, some, tell him some things about Atlanta that he may not know. I so, love this. So let me, let me write my letter to dear Jeff, or to Jeff Bezos. So dear Jeff, I wanted to tell you about some, cult- some of the culture Atlanta has. Building a company is built on culture, and Atlanta has built a really awesome culture. But you may uh, see it as just sweet tea, fried chicken, Coca-Cola, Home Depot, But when you get into the guts of Atlanta, you see Vietnam, China, and Korean roots. Maybe we don't have a true Chinatown, but we've got a diverse alley of some of the finest foods from multiple cultures. This place we like to call Buford Highway doesn't just limit itself to Chinatown or Little Italy, but rather gives you the diversity that we all strive for in our businesses. You have some of the best Vietnamese, Chinese, and Korean food, while also having Krispy Kreme, an amazing farmer's market, and a place to get amazing foot massages. Yeah, Atlanta has amazing big ticket uh, items, but what makes Atlanta really great are these small pieces of amazingness that your future employees will thank you for in the future. Welcome to Atlanta, yours truly, Matt. So I think that that's going to really convince Jeff. I love that because actually when I moved to Atlanta, that was something I didn't, you know, I thought of all the stereotypical things, you know, rap artists and yeah. whatnot. But and we got <laughs> there's actually, there is so much culture here. I spent the weekend... Um, at Ponce and at Krog, Krog Street Market. Yeah, and that's the beauty of Atlanta. And you go down to Buford Highway, it's some of the best food that yeah, you can get. Because I've heard it's, that. it's the best. I haven't done that yet. Uh, and it's going to be close to where Bezos and all of his employees live. He's the, I'm telling He's you. He's sold. Buford Highway, Jeff, that's why. 
Um, all right. Good job, Morgan. Thank Were you. you uh, do you feel as nervous now that you did the beginning? I mean, it's over, so you shouldn't feel yeah. that nervous anymore. Yeah. Feeling better. Feeling better. All right, that's another episode of That's Rich. Join us. We're actually going to be doing Facebook Live for That's Rich at a new time, Tuesday mornings at 1030 instead of Monday mornings. So be sure to check out Facebook Live and go and subscribe. Let all of your friends know that the best, new, hottest thing going on the podcast universe is an episode called That's Rich. Have them subscribe so you can stay tuned. We'll see you next week. Thank you.